The future is bright, especially if we build for it. Welcome to Architecting the Future, a podcast for the builders of tomorrow, all about people, process, and technology. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, this is Scott Saracen from RTS Labs, and we're here with this week's podcast session in the series titled Architecting the Future. Today, our guest is Scott Barnes, the Chief Executive Officer for Barga Ventures. Hi, Scott. Thanks for being with us today. Hey, Scott. How are you doing? Good. Good. Thank you. Can you introduce yourself, your role, your background, a little more about who you are and what you do? You bet. Yeah, thanks. Uh, great to be here with you today. Um, yeah, so a little bit about myself. I'm, I'm, uh, I sometimes uh, call myself an organizational mechanic. I'm, I'm really focused on working with uh, business leaders, helping them, uh, you know, help move their organizations to more value-based out- outcomes-focused approaches. My customers typically are in uh, heavy regulated industries and uh, usually rely on systems engineering to get their work done. Before I started consulting, I, was, I, I really was uh, leading a lot of endeavors with small teams and, and uh, you know, we were very focused on solving uh, complex stuff. It was a lot of fun. We were able to uh, uh, just really accomplish some great things. And a friend of mine looked at what I was doing. He said, you know, you, this is kind of what I coach others to, uh, to, to do. And what you're doing is, is what we help other companies do. You might want to take a look at coaching as a way of giving back. And I, I hadn't really thought about it until then. And the idea of being able to give back really appealed to me. So that's kind of how I got into the more consultant role uh, than uh, a delivery role. And I, I still miss it. So I do go back to delivery from time to time. But uh, over the last few years, I really decided that I could make the biggest impact by uh, helping customers in more of a consultant role. Oh, that's great. Thank you for that background. Start out with a general question, Scott. How would you describe digital transformation and maybe what are some examples from your experience? Uh, great question, thanks. The, uh, you know, the, the term digital transformation is, is kind of interesting. I, I think it originally really applied to IT, but I think today it's more broadly uh, accepted way of talking about changing the way that products are defined, the way we work, how things get implemented and, and delivered. Um, you know, my my view about the word transformation is that really it's it's what you see when you look back after you've accomplished all of these transformative things. And so uh, I think if you're, if you're focused on outcomes, you'll get to a transformation. And sometimes when organizations are focused on transformation, they kind of miss the objectives. So mm-hmm. digital transformation is really about doing things differently today. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. The, um, the, that topic just brings up you know, so many different uh, examples and ideas. Um, are you aware of a few companies that come to mind that are doing well digitally adapting? Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because there's there's so many today. Um, it is it is such a cool thing to watch happen too. Um, you know, I I see uh, 
you know, typically startups were where we saw a lot of the change, but now we're seeing much larger and, and more well-established uh, companies. W one of the companies that I think is, is really making a great uh, change in how they develop things is ICU Medical. They're a medical devices company and throughout their history up until now, they've been very entrepreneurial and they have embrace the fact that, you know, hardware has to be developed in a different way than maybe we did, you know, uh, decades ago, you know, back when compute time was more expensive than people time, things were a little bit different, but today it, it is different. And these feedback loops, I, I think are even more important in the hardware world. Um, when you think about the cost that has to be invested in the development process. So they, they do it really brilliantly. They, um, they've got some great leadership that really, you know, clears the way for people to get their job done. Um, they really embrace new ways of working and, and they love to learn. You know, there's some other good examples too, especially in the, in the engineering arena. I would say General Motors is just night and day different than how they were, you know, 20 years ago. Caterpillar is a great story about the 443 excavator and how they went into it thinking that they were going to do one thing. And because they had these built-in feedback loops, they learned something very quickly. They changed gears and they produced one of the most popular excavators today. Uh, that's great. Those are great examples. Thank you. When, when you talked about your experience and your role and such, um, what are some of the more specific business and technology challenges that you are addressing now in your role or in your past? Wow, Scott, that's, that's such a great question. Uh, I, I would say immediately three things come to mind. Uh, the the uh, willingness of leaders to, to lead by example. Um, um, you know, I, I think that they're asking folks to do so much change is kind of challenging when when you're actually not not leading the, the the change i think you know leaders are desperately needed and they should really consider leading the way rather than asking others to change um i think another one is reinvention waste it's it, you know my my brain is kind of wired for lean and and when i think about a lot of the new cool things that are going on there's a lot of missed cues from the past both good and bad and so I see a lot of reinvention waste these days. You know, I, I think a typical uh, anti-pattern is when a, you know, an organization will say, well, this, you know, pick your noun framework, whatever, X will not work in our environment. And uh, typically it will, it's just the right alignment hasn't been made. Um, so they tend to go and spend a lot of time and effort on customizing some framework when in, in reality it would have worked if, if they would have been a little more flexible. I think that the third challenge is, is really the ex lack of experience really with process improvement. I think there's a lot of sort of agile knowledge out there. And then to the side, there's a lot of like lean knowledge. But those two together, I, I think, is, is where the cream of the crop are. And so, um, you know, adopting agile methods, and it, it's not, uh, you know, really the same as optimizing a whole system. A lot of times we believe that agile methods will optimize the system, but in reality, the system kind of has to be optimized before it's ready for agile. 
Um, and so I believe agile methods are really one of the tools in a broader toolkit needed to run an organization. Okay, that's great. Maybe related to that last point, Scott, on, on process improvement, how are improvements in workflow and business processes, processes helping to contribute to the bottom line? Oh yeah, yeah. So the the just the data accessibility today is is amazing. Um, it's kind of a double edged sword, I would say. It's, so on the one hand, we've we've got greater insight. Um, we're we're able to, I think, make changes much more rapidly. Um, the the marketplace, just in general, you know, pe people look at an app on their phone, and if they don't like it, they get rid of it. They load another one, and and that's kind of the mindset. And so we we really need to make changes quickly but we really need them to be data driven so we're not making bad changes so i think it's really helped in that way conversely i, I think there's also a kind of a challenge in that um, poor data can drive poor decision making um, maybe biases and analysis of the data so um, it's a double-edged sword and i think the bottom line is really that data is critical um, but but I think what's even better than learning from the trends is really the ability to spot patterns that we didn't necessarily know were there. Okay. All right, thank you. Um, moving to data, uh, kind of bridging from your last, uh, your last uh, idea there, mm -hmm. how are data management and data strategies improving your business or your customer's business? Wow, great, great question. I think um, I, I think it's a marriage where uh, you know it it starts as easy as something like an OKR. Um, you know, we have these objectives, and we we need a way of of measuring. Uh, in a, in a non-biased way, you know, whether we, we've really accomplished these. And so I think, uh, again, that, that the, the data itself is, is really driving a lot, but I think the analysis is where I see just immense progress being made. Um, for my business, you know, I, I don't have nearly the breadth myself or understanding of, of really looking at some of these patterns. And so, you know, people who specialize, companies who specialize in data analysis really help under, uncover things um, that, um, you know, we, we didn't even know were there. Data scientists, I think, have sort of come into a, a new uh, awakening, so to speak, in, in this realm because there's just so much to be learned from all the data. And, you know, of course, data really drives the way the world goes, but um, we still have a lot that we can learn from from past. You know, good example is OKRs. They've been around forever, um, and and they're starting to be embraced more. Um, but then, under the uh, really digging into the underlying data, I think is is even more helpful, both in understanding you know your own trends, seasonality. Um, uh, customer interest, things like that, as well as, uh, you know, my customers have uh, very different, but yet very specific needs and understanding how to drive product, how to drive changes, and, and making sure that they're not driving too many changes, for instance. 
um, uh, you know, you, you just really are empowered today by, by all of the data and specifically the data analysis that's, that's available. Mm -hmm. Okay. Staying on the topic of data, um, some of the challenges with business transformation are related to the integrity or the limitation of data for mm -hmm. insights and decision-making. What are your thoughts on KPIs that are needed in this area? I, you know, it's interesting because I, I think that there are some really, really good uh, ways of, of measuring things um, out there already. Uh, so for instance, one of my favorites is cumulative flow diagram. So cumulative flow diagram really gives you an instant view uh, of, of, of your, your, your system, right? Your, your process health and, and uh, maybe when um, you need to change staffing programs that, you know, capacity changes. So, so there's existing ones that are really good, but I, I think there's also um, some better newer uh, types of, of KPIs that, you know, really, um, should be leveraged. And, you know, I, I saw a quote the other day that really stood out to me because it's something that that um, I, I have leveraged uh, in the past, but it's kind of tricky. And, and the, the quote was, the best math you can learn is how to calculate the future cost of current decisions. And I, I just found that so uh, profound and, and insightful. Um, it it kind of reminds me of of you know that that lean quote about if you measure only one thing, measure the cost to delay. There's there's just some key concepts that are out there, and I think that the KPIs abound. But I think one of the key things with KPIs is um, it's it's you know don't measure something just because you can measure it because it benefits specifically the objectives that you're trying to achieve. All right. Yeah, that was great. Moving to a little different area now, kind of thinking, thinking ahead, what trends are you seeing is, is very important in the coming few years? You know, um, I, I, I just, I have to talk about things like uh, functional safety and, and cybersecurity, you know, everything is connected today. And I don't, I don't know if it's a trend or just a reality of, of where we are, you know, as a society with our connected homes, our, our, our connected communications, our cars are connected, our refrigerators are connected, and, and just a, a real uh, necessity for being very uh, proactive about some things that, you know, maybe everybody didn't have to think of in the in the past, like cybersecurity. So I, I think governance is really, really critical today. And I think aligning uh, governance with uh, what is typically considered to be a more traditional concept with uh, new ways of working is really, really important. And that's, that's one of the areas that I, I, I work a lot in, <clears throat> excuse me, but, um, but cybersecurity, functional safety, th those two things are just so critical today's. I, I think another one where I see a lot of um, uh, 
both need, but but also I would say trend is more focus on the on the portfolio. So lean portfolio management, which is fantastic. Um, you know, in 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 maybe 10, 20 years ago, we saw a lot of focus at, at teams, but what we really found was that the problem wasn't getting broken down well enough. And so the way that portfolios are being managed, I think is definitely happening much more. And I see it as a trend that's going to continue quite a bit. And I see it all up and down the spectrum, regardless of, uh, you know, whether it's a small startup or it's a very large, well-established company. And then the other things, I, I would say the, the other thing that I'm seeing as, as kind of a trend is this idea of an organizational uh, operating system. And, and this is where I uh, spend you know, a lot of time. Organizational operating systems is really how you put all these concepts together, you know, new ways of working, governance, alignment, data, customer focus, optimized value streams. How do you do that all while at the same time creating an environment that people love to work in and your customers love what, you know, the products that come out of it. So operational, organizational operating systems. I think that that as a key concept is, is really a trend. All right, great. Good time for a couple more quick questions here, Scott. So sure. um, maybe just trying to kind of summarize and wrap things up. What has been your experience in use and management of packaged software and custom software, custom solutions? That's that's really interesting. Again, you know, I I think uh, I think uh, th there's a lot more of acceptance of both cut solutions and um, what I would say are developed by other solutions. A lot of times, <clears throat> uh, you know, I'll give you a good example, my company, right? I don't wanna build accounting software. I don't, I don't wanna have to do that. I don't need to do that. And so I rely on someone else to um, either build that software or, you know, con configure it for me. I think, I, th I think we have, a much better reusage patterns today. I see a lot of organizations building software that people love to use. Um, whereas, you know, yesterday we may have thought, oh, we need to build that all in house. And I just think with economies of scale and, and other aspects, um, uh, it is often the case that we, we have to decide whether something is really important to do sort of in-house or, or whether there's something else out there. And of course, just the fact of exploring what's out there, I, I think is super beneficial, again, to my point about, you know, being open to learning um, and, and not always reinventing something that's that's already been there. Um, and sometimes we we really need something so proprietary that we need to keep it in-house and that that's fine. But again, I, I think there's, some really great organizations that build phenomenal software and they do it because they've been able to assemble just fantastic people. And so why, why try to replicate that when that, you know, when that exists already. Okay. And, and I think the last question, Scott, given everything you've talked about here in the last 20, 25 minutes, um, 
Are there any other related thoughts that are a priority for you at this time that you would like to mention sort of in the context of everything else you've talked about? Sure thing. Uh, thanks for asking, Scott. I, th I think uh, in, in general, um, uh, being open to, to new information is really, really, really critical these days. Th things are happening at a pace that is, um, you know, quite honestly, try, like trying to drink from a fire hose sometimes. And so I think being, being open to these feedback loops, being open to learning, you know, new ways of doing things, being open to, you know, having someone else write some software for you. These are all things that I think are, are kind of more commonplace today. And some of the more well-established, I'll say tr traditional organizations are, are fighting a little bit with that. Uh, and, and, and I'm not saying they need to jump on board and embrace it, but, but be open to it a little bit because there, there really is some fantastic stuff happening today. And um, you just have to be open to, to seeing it. Great. Well, Scott, that uh, it wraps it up for this uh, session of our podcast. Uh, we appreciate your participation. Uh, this was all great, uh, great input and great insight. Uh, so thanks again. And uh, this will be uh, available on the RTS Labs Spotify uh, channel uh, in the podcast series titled Architecting the Future. So Scott, thanks again and, and goodbye for now. Thank you.